0: So last week, we talked about what we do, and we gather, we equip, and then we go. This is what we do. This is what the church is called to do. We gather together, we equip, and then we go. I had a few people tell me after the service, hey, Chad, that was a great message. Here is how I will weigh that message. I'm just letting you know. I'm just going to be straight with you. Here is how I know whether that was a good message or not. If my staff will tell me that they aren't searching for volunteers because everybody volunteered, See, there's times where it's really quiet. (laughs) But this is how we find out. This is how we don't just go, you know what, that was really nice to listen to. But it actually empowers you, it equips you, and it lets you go and serve. This is what the whole idea is. So I challenge you this morning to volunteer somewhere. Fill out the other side of that Connect card that says next step. Plug yourself in. Get involved. Because that is where you will actually grow. So if this is what we do... What does God say about the church? What does he say his church will be? What does he say? God talks about his church and what he thinks it should be. And Isaiah 56 verse 7 says this. These I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your presence already. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for just touching people's lives and ministering. I ask you right now, Holy Spirit, hide me behind the cross. Let my words be your words. I pray for open ears and open hearts, but to challenge us, to change us this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. This verse stands out to me because one thing, he tells us what his house should be. It should be a house of prayer, but just before that he says this. These I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy. Do you know, as a church, you're supposed to have joy? Do you know that God brings you to himself so that we have the joy of the Lord, the joy of our salvation? See, sometimes people ask, like, why do I tell jokes? Why do I try to get you to laugh a little bit? It's twofold. One, if you're laughing, I know you're listening. If you moan, I know it's a bad joke, but you're still listening. Two is because we're actually supposed to have joy. We're actually supposed to be happy. And so when you're in church, it's okay to laugh because many of us, I believe, have forgot that we're supposed to have the joy of my salvation. And I think the reason some people aren't interested in coming to church is because we look miserable. And if you actually, if we laughed, if we enjoyed life, if we were happy, people would be drawn to it. And that's what they should be drawn to. God's love and his joy. And so I tell people all the time, no, I I like when we laugh in church. I like when we have fun in church. And I tell my church all the time, if you're happy and you know it, just tell your face. (laughs) See, what you have to realize is, for me, my normal, relaxed face is not a happy-looking face. And so, Grant, don't laugh so loud at that, man. (laughs) But Melissa will actually say to me at times, Chad, you look miserable. And I'm like, I'm I'm just thinking, and it hurts. (laughs) And so there's moments where we have to realize and recognize that you just need to smile. And if I'm smiling, I'm not faking it. Because inside I'm actually happy. I just need to remind my face at times. But many of us have to. When you're walking down the street and you're thinking about stuff, or when you leave church and you walk into a restaurant, sometimes it's good just to have a big smile on your face. Oh, where are you coming from? Church, you look happy. (laughs) Well, I was in the presence of Jesus. Right, see, somebody agreed. But when you're in the presence of the Lord, it should bring joy in your life. Now, I had somebody ask me at the end of the service, Chad, how do you deal with stuff when life isn't perfect? And I tell them, I get sad too. I get frustrated. But there is still the joy. And see, James tells us that we're supposed to consider it pure joy when we face trials. How many you like that verse? Anybody? It's kind of a tough one, isn't it? Like none of us hit a trial and go, let's throw a party. <laughs> right? Like, we don't do it. We, we sit and we're like, this sucks, this is pathetic, how do I get through this? Where is God? Does God even exist? Well, he exists in your tough times even more than in your good times. Not that there's more or less. Understand what I'm saying for all the theologians in the room. Like, understand, he loves you whether you're in tough times or whether you're in easy times. And sometimes, if you live like me, I believe I hit tough times because in the easy times, it's sometimes easy to forget to get close to God. In the tough times, man, my prayer life gets really better. And in those times, it's, will you draw close? And so he loves you through all of it. But he says, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. So if his house is a house of prayer, it probably means we should be praying. We probably should be praying if his house is called a house of prayer. And if we are the temple of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit lives in us, how much more should we be praying? See, you realize in the Old Testament, the prophets were the ones that heard from God. So they would give words to people and so they understood what God was saying. In the New Testament, because Jesus died on the cross and tore the curtain between the regular place and the Holy of Holies, we all now can enter in. And so therefore the Holy Spirit's in us, so every one of us in the room get to hear from the voice of God. Get to hear from the Holy Spirit. So every one of us has a chance to hear what God is saying to us so that we know what he wants us to do. See, here's the interesting thing and the wonderful thing with prayer. Prayer is a dialogue. So when I spend time talking to God, he will actually talk to me. If you're new in the room and you're like, that sounds a little weird. It does. It does. But here's what you have to realize. When you think of your relationship with the Lord, if you are married, you should think of your relationship with the Lord something like your relationship with your spouse. Well, Chad, that seems a little weird. But God himself calls the church his bride, so it's not that far apart. And here's what I know. Melissa and I went on a date this week. And on our date, I know, it was pretty exciting. We went axe throwing, actually. (laughs) And it was... Awesome. No, she loved it. She actually loved it. And see, guys, for all of you who are visiting, seriously, I usually don't get heckled this bad. I feel like I feel like this is actually going to be a great service. I'm, I'm actually, this is fun for me. Uh, But I have, see, they can say what they want, but I'm the pastor, so I have to filter every comeback. And if you know me well enough, you know that that's a very big challenge for me. So it was the target it was supposed to be. And just so you are aware, she's not in here now. I didn't talk about this in the first service. Melissa can chuck an axe. It actually made me go, I need to behave myself. And I hid the hatchet when I got home. Now I'm teasing. It was a lot of fun, though. We had a great time. But here's the thing. If we went on the date and all I did was talk, and I never let Melissa talk at all, I would have come home going, that date was unbelievable. It was incredible. And my wife would have been like, that kind of sucked, actually. I didn't get to say a word. And I wonder, when we spend time with the Lord, how many times do we walk away from a prayer time going, man, that was great. And God's sitting there going, I I just had something to say. I really, I really, you know how you asked that you want your neighbor to come to the Lord and you're just not sure what to do? I actually had an answer. When we pray, we need to make sure in our prayer time that we actually have a quiet time. That we can allow the spirit to speak to us. Because he wants to. He wants to speak to you. He wants to help you. He wants to guide you. He wants to lead you. He wants to give you the wisdom that you're looking for. We just need to quiet ourselves. And in a world where it's so noisy and it's so busy, it's very challenging for us to quiet ourselves. But when we quiet ourselves, it allows the Lord to speak to us and give us the answers that we're looking for. See, our prayers are powerful. I don't know if you know that, but your prayers are powerful. Here's what I want to read to you in Daniel, and just read to you what Daniel prayed and just how it responded, and it just blows my mind. Daniel 10, 12 says this. This is an angel speaking. Don't be afraid, Daniel. He said to me, for from the first day that you uh, proposed to understand, you purposed to understand, to humble yourself before your God, your prayers were heard. I have come because of your prayers." Do you realize that Daniel prayed, and because of his prayer, an angel responded? An angel was sent. Do you realize that your prayers are powerful? That when you pray in the will of God, things change? Angels can be sent? If you read it, it's really neat because Daniel ended up praying for like 21 days, and the angel tells him, I was sent the moment you prayed. It just took me this long to get here because I actually had to fight in the spiritual realm. It was such a fight that I actually had to go back and get Michael the archangel so he could come and straighten things out. Chad, are you telling me there's like a spiritual realm? 100%. 100%. That's why the scripture actually tells us that our battle is not against flesh and blood. So, that person at your work that drives you crazy, it's actually not them. It's a spiritual thing that's happening. And it could be just to prevent you from sharing Jesus. God hears our prayers and responds. Here's the interesting thing when you look at this verse, though. It says, when you humbled, when you humbled yourself before your God. When we humble ourselves before God. Here's my understanding. When I I humble myself before God, I'm telling God I can't do it. When I'm humbling myself before God, I'm telling God, not even what I want, God, because you know better. See, many of us try to do things on our own, when God never designed it that way. Chad, I don't understand why life is so challenging. Are you trying to do it on your own? If you're trying to do it on your own, it's challenging because you were never meant to. I was never meant to live this life on my own. I was never meant to go through these things on my own. I was meant and created to do everything with Jesus. We humble ourselves before God, and our prayers will be heard. See, many of us, we know that the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray. Many of us understand that. Many of us know that part of the Bible when the disciples said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And when we refer to that part, when we refer to the disciples asking for Jesus to teach them how to pray, we immediately in our minds jump to this verse. And then this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. How about everybody say this with me? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Many of us jump to this part. I don't know, you I still, it's just powerful for me when we say it together. There's something about it. But many of us, we jump to this part. We jump to verse 9 to 14. This is Jesus' response to teaching them how to pray. It's not. It is, but it's not the completeness. So he tells them, this is the only part that he talked about verbally what to do. If we read before that... If we read in Matthew 6, 5 to 8, see, here's the thing. You have to understand. When the Bible was written, this is Matthew just writing stuff down. He's writing in a journal. Here's what happened. This is what's going on. This is what God said. This is what Jesus did. He doesn't put verses in it. He doesn't put chapters in it. So this is all together. One thought. So Jesus actually says this in verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, who, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. When your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask it. We are supposed to pray privately. We are supposed to pray privately, and what is done in secret will be rewarded. Now, before I go any farther, let me be very clear. The New Testament has many examples where the church gathered together and prayed. So I'm not saying we're not supposed to have prayer meetings. We are. I actually will encourage you at this very moment that every Monday morning and Thursday morning, people meet right in this room at 6.30 to pray. And before the service, before the first service, before the 9 o'clock service, and before the 11 o'clock service, people are just behind the stage here in the Brooks Room praying for pre-service prayer. All of those prayers... All those prayer times are open for everybody. Everybody is welcome. I would actually encourage you to join us. My prayer actually is that pre-service prayer can't happen in there because there's too many of us and we actually have to come in here. That's my prayer. Because when we pray over the service, God moves. God does things because our prayers actually work. So don't get me wrong. We are supposed to gather and pray. But when Jesus is teaching... He's encouraging us to pray privately because what we pray in, when when our private prayer life is developed, that's when our prayer life becomes powerful. If you're trying to build your prayer life by standing up in front of people, it won't be powerful. Building a powerful prayer life is done in private because that's where God will talk to you and whisper to you. And that's where you'll learn his voice. He encourages us to meet with him privately. See, Jesus sets this example. Many times Jesus did things, and he would say, I only do what I see my father doing. And that's because he spent time with him privately on his own. It says so many times through the Gospels that Jesus went off by himself to pray. Can I tell you something? If the Son of God needs to take some private time to spend with his father to find out what his father is doing, how much more do we need to take time to spend with him? And I know life is busy. I know that it's challenging. But here is the truth. When was the last time you set aside time just to spend privately with the Lord? See, then after he's done talking to them and says, this is how you should pray. Pray, pray uh, privately, quietly. Now, understand as well as we're supposed to pray public like we get together in prayer meetings, I understand as parents, don't lock yourself away so quietly and so privately that your kids don't see you pray. Because they actually need to see that example as well. So realize there is tension in all of this. That if you don't do your devotions and pray in a setting where your kids can see you, they won't think it's important because they hear about it at church, but if their parents don't do it, they won't believe it's important. So that's also a challenge that if you're not doing daily devotions, I would encourage you to do them because you will train your children to do them as well. So Jesus talks about our private prayer life. Then he teaches us the Lord's Prayer. And then right after that, realize fluid sentences, still talking, not a long pause, not two days later. He goes into verse 16. And when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their full reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. Your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Again, we're supposed to do this privately. There's aspects of our spiritual life that are done without people seeing it. If you are fasting but broadcasting it, Scripture says you've already received your reward. And I just want you to know, As much as I love every one of you, and we all love words of affirmation, I would rather receive God's reward than yours. As much as you are all awesome, and I love every one of you, God is next level. It's because he's God. And his reward is eternal. So here's the interesting thing. Many of us don't use the discipline of fasting. Many of us don't. Because in society today... It's weird. Society today, it's all about what do you want, just get it. I still remember the source. Their actually motto or logo, like they're saying at Christmas one time, was literally because you want it. How more selfish and open do we get? So when we fast, we actually deny our flesh. And what you have to realize is it's not a hunger strike to get God on the same page as you. Fasting is to quiet your flesh so your spirit can hear what God is saying. If you don't think your flesh is strong, try it. I'll let you know, not a good nutrition plan that I function on, but I want you to know, like, I can wake up in the morning, have some coffee, and go all day and eat supper. It's just kind of the way I roll. Not healthy, I understand that. Don't worry about it, working on it. But the amount of days that I do that are more than the days I don't. And then the moment I wake up or the moment I plan that, okay, this week on this day, I'm going to fast. I wake up that morning starving. (laughs) Like my body is going to eat itself from the inside. And the whole day, I don't understand what's going on. Because this is a normal day for me. But the moment, instead of just being busy and just too busy to eat or whatever my brain tells itself, the moment I go, I'm going to spend more time with God and fast and pray so that I can hear what the Spirit is saying to me, my flesh freaks out. Now, if you think that's weird, give it a try and tell me if it's different. If it is. I'm coming to pray with you. It's amazing how we think, no, I hear the voice of God. I don't really, like, I'm close with God. I don't really have to struggle or deal with my flesh. But the moment we stop doing something fleshly, and I don't even mean sinful. I just mean something that's out of line between God's relationship and ours. So in other words, God's not number one because Doritos are. Or... When was the last time you wanted to get close to God and you were trying to figure something out in your life and you just needed more time to pray but you couldn't find it in your schedule but yet you wouldn't turn off Netflix or you wouldn't turn off the news or you wouldn't turn off the debate or you wouldn't turn off the sports game or you wouldn't turn off name something. We have to get God where he belongs and that's number one. Realizing... And maybe this is just me, but majority of the time, in my, by when I say majority, I mean every time, that things aren't going right in my life. Can I tell you something I figured out? God is never out of line. I am. And the more that we can actually just be honest with ourselves and say, hey, life's not, like, not clicking right. Something's off here. And not say, God, where are you? Because truthfully, he hasn't left. He hasn't moved. He's still where he belongs. We've moved. And again, hear me. I'm not saying like you switched highways. I'm not even saying you switched lanes. You could possibly just be driving on the little rubber patch that's making noise, but you just can't hear it anymore. there's moments in our lives where we're just out of alignment. And when we spend time with God and quiet ourselves, he's holy enough and loves us enough that he'll just tell us. Because here's the amazing thing with God. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, he loves you just the way you are. But here's the coolest thing about him. He loves you too much to leave you the way you are. And that's the same for every one of us in this room. If you've served God for two minutes, 20 years, 100 years, he loves you too much to leave you the way you are right now. Tomorrow, you can be closer. And it's really just up to you. It's really just up to me. My closeness and my relationship with God is really up to me. It really comes down to me and how important it is. See, if you're not sure how important fasting is, just read in, in Mark 9. In Mark 9, it's not on the screen, but Jesus has sent the disciples out, and he says, go out, heal the sick, pray, pray for the, uh, raise the dead, and cast out demons. And so the disciples are doing all this. They're walking around doing this. And by the way, as they're walking around doing this, I just want you to know, the Scripture says, these signs will follow those who believe, which is us. So we can do the same, just to be clear. And all of a sudden they're praying for this one boy who has a demon, and they can't get the demon out. And they're really confused, because they've been going along doing this with other people. And all of a sudden Jesus comes walking along, and somebody comes up to Jesus and be like, "Hey, this boy has a demon, and you've got to cast it out, but your, your disciples can't do it." And Jesus walks up paraphrasing, he says, "Get lost and the demon leaves." And the disciples, being wise, wait till a private moment and ask God. They ask Jesus, okay, fill us in here. Again, I'm paraphrasing. Fill us in. We've been casting out demons, but that one we couldn't cast out. It's just rain. It's just the Holy Spirit pouring down on us at this moment. Uh, Have you ever been in a service, though, and I'm I'm actually not joking. Have you ever been in a service where you're singing the song, Let It Rain?, And all of a sudden, it's not calling for rain, but it pours rain on the roof. It just is crazy. It's amazing. Side note. Let's come back. Um, It's a full squirrel. Don't worry about it. I heard the rain. I saw everybody else kind of whispering and looking up. It's like, yeah, it's just rain. Let's just call it, and now we'll move on. So Jesus answers his disciples, and he says, that one can only come out through prayer and fasting. Now, here's the interesting thing. Nowhere in those scripture verses, when Jesus walks up, sees what's going on, does Jesus say to them, hold on a second, I'll be back in a couple days. Right? He doesn't say, let us come back in a few hours. He doesn't say, give us a week. He just walks up, casts the demon out. But then he tells his disciples, that one can only come out through prayer and fasting. Which then tells me that in Jesus' life, in his spiritual discipline, he fasted on a regular basis because he didn't have to take a time out. And too often in our spiritual journey, our spiritual walk, do we encounter something and as we're talking to another Christian or as we're reading our Bibles, we sense in our spirit, oh, I should take some time to fast. Maybe, through Jesus' example, we should be fasting on a weekly basis, on a daily basis if I want to get crazy. But I would challenge you and encourage you that once a week minimum, fast one meal. Well, Chad, I can't fast meals. Yeah, you probably can. Well, my doctor says, I know, but it's Jesus. He kind of trumps the doctor. (laughs) Well, I might pass out. If it's to that point, be smart. But find something. Maybe you need to fast Doritos. I don't really know why I'm stuck on Doritos. I haven't had them in a long time, though. That could be the problem right now. Is my flesh is talking? Thinks knows I'm talking about fasting. Is just going Doritos. <laughs> so do me a favor. The next few days, pray that I don't eat Doritos. And I'm actually not joking. <laughs> but take. Take time this week, find a time, and just bring it into your spiritual discipline, fasting. And because here is what the scripture tells us. In 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14, it says, If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Again, it talks about humbling ourselves. Are we desperate enough to seek God's face? How many people here ever played hide and seek? Raise your hand. Come on. If you're not raising your hand, I know you probably either had a really poor childhood or, like, you're just lying to me. So, okay, so here's the question for you. Who was really good at hiding? Come on. Look, I was kind of known around junior high camp, so I was good at hiding who here was good at finding people yeah see you're the one that the other people raised their hand didn't like um, but i just want to challenge you so as this talks about seeking god's face here's the cool thing with god one he's not hiding he's like playing hide and seek with a toddler right where are you right here right like it's amazing when you play, like, you feel bad when you play with your kids, because honestly, if you find a good hiding spot, and now all of a sudden it's your turn to find, guess where your kid is in the same hiding spot, right? Like, it's, it is what it is. But God's not hiding. But he still wants us to seek him. So there's times in our lives where we need to seek him. And seek him means spending more time seeking him. I know, it's really deep. But you have to think about for a minute, and this could actually work right into a marriage sermon, but it's not, how much time and energy you put into pursuing your spouse. Reunite that flame as well. Pursue your spouse. Now we'll go back to Jesus. But somebody in the room needed that. Seek God. With the same energy, and can I say joy and excitement, that you did when you were played in hide-and-seek? Do you remember laughing? Do you remember having fun? You might remember getting frustrated because you weren't a good finder. But seek God with all that you have. That means turning off stuff in your life. That means, can I encourage you on something? If you are like a lot of people, you do your devotions on this because this is your Bible, I want to challenge you on something. Put this away. Go old school. And open this. And I'll tell you why. It's not because I think this is holier than the Bible that's on the phone. But you want to know what doesn't happen on this? I don't get pop-ups that somebody texts me. I don't get a pop-up that I got more coins in a game that I can go play. I don't have a pop-up that Carlo posted something on Instagram. I don't get a pop-up to tell me the Jay's lost again. I don't get that. On here, zero distractions. Zero notifications. The only notifications I get on here is when the Holy Spirit goes, did you catch that? That's it. I challenge you when you're seeking God. If seeking God hasn't changed for you in the last little while, if your life isn't different than it was six months ago in your relationship with the Lord, seek Him. And just just to try something new. Like, it can be simple. Switch chairs. If you have your God chair that you sit in, switch. It'll give you literally a different perspective. Go out and invest some money and buy a different version. If you've always read uh, the King James Version, the New King James, New Living, whatever it is, switch. Why? It will read differently. It's just something to give you something to see differently. It will make you encounter God in a different way. Try it. If you're telling me you can't go buy a Bible, we have different ones here that we can give you. But truthfully, if I just throw it out there like I would normally, just don't go to Tim Hortons for a month and go buy a coffee. That's two weeks in a row. <laughs> Don't go buy a coffee for a month and then go buy a Bible. That's what I meant. Invest money. Because if you read, it, go, it says in the Bible, you cannot serve two gods. You can only serve God or money. You realize it doesn't even say the devil? God or money? Where are you investing? Our prayers are heard when we humble ourselves, we seek God, and we turn from our sins. Ephesians 6, 18 says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So first off, pray for everybody. All the Lord's people. Every one of us need prayer. Second, it says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions. We're supposed to pray in the Spirit. We're supposed to pray in a heavenly language. We're supposed to pray in tongues. 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 talk about the gifts of the Spirit. It talks about praying in tongues. Here's what you need to realize when you pray in tongues. Your spirit, the Holy Spirit that is in you, prays an utterance that you can't pray. Well, Chad, that sounds really weird. It is. No point in hiding it. It's weird. It sounds weird, but it's powerful. It doesn't change the fact that it's powerful. And what you need to realize, if I told you all now, just to begin to speak out loud and begin to tell God how awesome he is, most of us in this room... Would, stop, would run out of words probably 30 seconds in. Some of you might have a large vocabulary. You might be like a Thoris and have like a minute you can go, but you are going to run out of words. That is where the Spirit comes in and begins to pray through you. When you're not sure what to pray, the Spirit begins to pray. Now, here's the thing. I know some of this sounds weird, and that's fine. But on the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit poured out, people began to hear them praying in their own language. It's such a powerful thing. And when we pray in a heavenly language, things begin to change because it's able to pray things that you don't even know. Now, here's the thing, just so everybody doesn't get too creeped out by this. It doesn't take over. Just to make you relax. To to take some of this mystery out of it. The Holy Spirit doesn't come in and grab your tongue and start wagging it around. Okay, he doesn't. And for, I grew up in a Pentecostal church and I just want to clarify one, like a couple things. One, I've never seen anybody swing on a chandelier. Okay, and here, don't worry, they're crazy high. But I have seen miracles and I have seen powerful things happen. So when you begin to speak in tongues and pray in a heavenly language, you actually say the words yourself. You mean I make, like I get a weird sound in my head that's supposed to sound like a word? Yes. And then I verbally speak it. Yes. Now here's the great thing. You've already done this at one point in your life. It was when you were a kid. And if you were a parent in the room, You've heard your child say mama or daddy for the first time. And everybody else thought they burped. (laughs) But you stood there and were like, they said mommy. And everybody else was like, I thought they just had gas. Is that really mama? And the first time you speak out, A word in a heavenly language, it will sound weird to you. It will. But your heavenly father is in heaven doing this. Just said daddy. And the same as our children have to speak for their vocabulary to grow, so do we. As we begin to pray in tongues more and more, your vocabulary grows. Here's the thing. Does this sound weird? Absolutely, it sounds weird. I'm not going to lie. But it doesn't change the fact that it's powerful. And it doesn't change the fact that it's in here. And so when we pray, we're supposed to seek the gifts. So I encourage you this morning. If you've never prayed in tongues before, ask God. Because here's the great thing. He wants to give it to you. Now, I'll tell you straight up. The moment you do it, the enemy will tell you you made it up. But I know there's some very smart people in this room. You are way smarter than me. But you are not smart enough to make up a language. And the moment the enemy's in your head going, oh, you made that up, I can guarantee you how real it was. Because if you made it up, he wouldn't bug you. If it wasn't powerful, he'd leave you alone. It's powerful. It's so powerful. And the Bible tells us to pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. So here's what we're going to do this morning. Don't worry, I'm not going to begin praying in tongues. I just wanted to teach on it for a minute to encourage you. But I am going to invite the prayer team to come. I'm going to invite our worship team to come. And here's what we're going to do. I'm going to read one more scripture to you. And then we're actually going to do what the scripture says. Here's what the scripture says. James 5, prayer team, if you're here, come. James 5 says this in verse 13. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is any among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. So if you've ever wondered why we anoint people with oil, it's right here. We anoint people because we're called to. We're supposed to. Yeah, there should be oil in these baskets if you guys want to grab some. Verse 15. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. This next verse I love. I don't know, if you've read about Elijah, he's just one cool guy. And I think he's amazing. I think what he did was cool. And the fact that this scripture tells me that he's just like me and you is encouraging. Elijah was a human being, even as you are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. So, here's what we're going to do this morning. If you're here this morning, and as the scripture says, you have trouble, so it's just a hard time, you're going through something challenging, let the people at the front pray for you. If you're here, and just as the scripture says, you are happy. The worship team is going to lead us in a song. So sing with praise. If you're here and you're sick, and you need a touch from God, come and let them pray with you. I'm going to ask you to stand. I want you to know I'm basically closing the service right here. But here, before you walk out the door, this is the only thing I want you to tell yourself. If you can look yourself in a mirror, and tell yourself that you have no trouble and that you feel totally fine, physically, emotionally, mentally, then you're free to go. Or you can stay and sing happily. But if you're here and you're honest with yourself and you say, no, there is some troubles. I have some struggles going on in my life. If you're here and you just say, there's something wrong with my body physically, there's something wrong Mentally, there's something wrong, emotionally, and I just need somebody to pray with me. Please, do not leave here without receiving prayer. But Chad, what will people think that you're a normal human being? Yeah, but Chad, if I walk to the front, I might get to somebody I don't know. For me, I love it when they don't know me. I can tell them whatever I want. And just the way God works, they'll forget before you leave what you told them. It's just the way God works. And just so you feel comfortable, they don't tell me anything. This front I want to restore is a safe place that God meant it to be. That people that come for prayer, there's nothing wrong with you. You're not less of a person. You're not less of faith. You actually are taking a step of faith. And by one of you coming forward, you will allow others. And so don't wait any longer. If you need prayer this morning, come. Let them pray with you. Do not leave here the same. And so, Father, we love you. We give you praise and honor and help us this week to seek you more than we've ever sought you before in our lives. And I pray, Father, that as people come and receive prayer, that, Father, there's freedom that happens in people's lives. There's healing that happens in people's lives. And that, Father God, today is when things turn around. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message. Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well.